Gotcha. Welcome to Salt the Earth, episode 10. I'm sick-ish. Are you really? I don't know if it's like sick or like dying, but... <laughs> I don't think um, you're dying. It feels like dying. You seem fine. Like if I could perceive dying, that's about what this would feel like. I think that's a little exaggerated. It's possible. Entirely possible. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, that's why my voice is crumbly. Crumbly. Technical term. All right. But you're Matt. I'm Matt. I'm Tori. We're going to talk about Josephite marriages today. And other things. And other things. Buckle in. <laughs> For Play the journey. The doop, 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 doop. So Matt. So Tori. What is a Josephite marriage? A Josephite marriage. I know I just read what it was. As far as I understand it, is a marriage between a man and a woman who uh, do not have sex or remain chaste. Your camera beeped. It did beep. A Josephite marriage is a marriage between a man and a woman in which the man and the woman do not consummate the marriage or remain chaste in marriage. Chaste? my understanding at least but could a marriage that began as a marriage that was consummated become a josephite marriage later that's kind of what i'm wondering um and if there's anyone out there who knows more about this topic please let us know yeah because we're interested in all things interesting all of it all of it um so my biggest thing with this is like is it really considered a marriage if you don't consummate the marriage and if you had consummated the marriage at one point and then become a Josephite marriage, aren't you, like, no longer living up to one of the marriage vows you take? So, for that, I feel like the answer would be something along. Like, say, uh, a more elderly couple who one or both of them is no longer productive. Okay. In that sense. Sure. Um, like, you know, the going through the marital act would not really be productive anyway. Okay. So if they were no longer about that, like, I don't see it as like an issue. Right. Like they're still, I suppose, open, but you know, it's just no longer viable. Yeah. Right. I wonder, um, I wonder how often this happens nowadays. Let me preface this conversation with why this came up. I was with my Thursday night Bible study group. And we were playing the Catholic card game. So shout out to the Catholic card game. It's kind of like Cards Against Humanity, but Catholic style and less inappropriate, but super funny. If you want a Christian Cards Against Humanity that is not less inappropriate, there's also a... Oh, shoot. What's it called? Christians Against... No. Oh, it's something like that. We played it once. I have it in the house. The Game for Good Christians. Mm, It's not a good game. It's a great I mean, game. It's a great game, but it's not but a it's good not game. it's not a uh, moral game. No. But the Catholic card game is, and the Catholic card game is a lot of fun. Um, and I'm a theology major, so we were playing with my Bible study group, and a card comes up, comes up about Josephite marriages. So naturally, everyone in the Bible study group looks to me as if I'm going to know what this is. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is. So we Googled it, and that's when we found out that it is a marriage between two people who do not consummate the marriage, essentially. Now, I have heard this proposed before as like a, uh, 
a way for uh, homosexuals in the Catholic Church who want to like go through all the sacraments mm-hmm. um, they would find some other person who is uh, prepared to be chaste and who they love in like a non sexual or non romantic yeah. way um, and they would you know go through the rite of marriage and support each other for life just as like you know brother and sister right. or as friends but can you go through the, the question is can you go through the rite of marriage that way I feel like, I don't know. So one of the things, is consummation required in marriage? Is I guess the question. Well, my original understanding was yes. Um, but that could just be an old tradition. All right. So I have someone, I found someone who's asking about justified marriage. Um, they're paraplegic, which okay. is another interesting case where uh, a justified marriage would make sense because obviously he or she, it's not stated. I feel like it must be a he, right? Uh, can't con- oh, he's named Scotty. Can't consummate the marriage. Scotty could be anything nowadays. <laughs> is it? Yeah, I know a Scotty who's a girl. Could a paraplegic woman not have intercourse? I don't know. I feel like they could. I feel like they probably could. Right? Yeah, probably. Anyway, okay. um, so Scotty is saying that this would be a way to uh, bypass Canon Law 1084. And Canon Law 1084 is uh, effectively saying that an impotent person nullifies the marriage, which sounds like some very, very old-school voodoo nonsense. I feel like there must be an update to that particular law since then. Well, I mean, if you think about it, realistically, it's not like the church is checking in on every newly married couple to make sure they consummated the marriage. So it could be that Josephite marriages are more of a, you know, we have like the big T tradition and big T tradition is where like the sacrament of matrimony comes in. And then we have the little T tradition and all these other little traditions that come from the church and the cultures that the church has been with. So maybe Josephite marriages has just stemmed from people who are unable to consummate the marriage or people who, um, I've heard of two cases where people have wanted to live in a Josephite marriage um, where they were married and divorced and they could not get an annulment, but they wanted to remarry. So they got remarried legally, but they couldn't get remarried in the church. So they lived in a Josephite marriage. Wait, so they, they had a second different spouse? Yes. Okay. So it wasn't the same spouse right. they were going back to. I see. So a Josephite marriage is almost like a second class marriage, by my understanding at this point, where it's not really a marriage right i think it's more of a marriage by title not by right description right i I think it more so has to do with the two people in my opinion from what i've read and from what i've heard in some ways it's kind of beautiful because it's just two people striving to get the other to heaven yeah no and that's great i have no qualms about that no i just don't know if we can call it a marriage I mean, I, I f- this is one of those things mm-hmm. where Catholics have claimed the word marriage to mean one thing religiously, right. and they say nothing else qualifies as it. So, like, a marriage outside of the Catholic Church isn't really a marriage. It's a but that's not what the Church marriage. says. No, but, like, depending People on People in the context, Church might say that, yes. Yeah. Um, and so, it's one of those things where we need to agree on what the word marriage means. If it means a, a holy bond in a Catholic Church between a man and a woman... That's fine, but we need to be consistent in our uh, consideration of that. 
word. And if we're giving an exception for the phrase Josephite marriage, you know, where where is the consideration and where does the line get drawn? Right. Somewhere down that road. Yeah, that's a good question. And I don't have an answer for that. No, I don't think there is an answer for that because no. it's one of those things where uh, if you ask a German bishop, you're going to get a very different answer from an Alabaman bishop. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you came up with those two varying uh, standpoints. So specifically because the German bishops are having a uh, synod right now to oh, discuss um, like a lot of uh, liberalization of Catholic teaching. Got it. Um. And that's got a lot of people on Catholic internet upset. Got it. Because obviously it does. Yeah. Um, whereas like uh, traditional Catholic American bishops mm-hmm. or traditional Catholic Italian bishops um, will have a, a different interpretation of that and say that this is some, you know, uh, attempt to overthrow the church and its teachings. Okay. That's fair. Uh, be better at uh, communicating Christ's teachings to me as an individual than... Um, priests who don't pay enough attention or kind of recycle homilies from three years ago. Yeah. And I think you see that a lot with, I've been really blessed to be able to meet a lot of the younger priests who have been um, recently ordained. Uh I've been really excited to see that they are good and holy men who first and foremost love Jesus Christ and who love his church. They may not be the greatest homilists yet, um, it's definitely a skill to be acquired. Yes. And they they practice really mm-hmm. hard. Oh, yeah. No, and I've gone to, like, some of the training uh, mm-hmm. homilies where, like, just a dozen guys get up and give a homily yeah. on a reading. And it's like, that's tough. Yeah. I, that's oh, tough. yeah. You get up in front of a thousand people and they're literally there to judge you. Yeah. Like, that's their goal. And it's very... Giving a homily is one of those things where, like, the... I was just talking to a seminarian friend of mine who's in homiletics currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was saying that like the formula to give a proper homily, what the what the rubrics say should be in every homily is a lot. So for someone to try to fit, especially someone learning and right. being graded on that, to try to fit all like half a dozen things that they mm-hmm. need to fit into the homily. Right. I, I looked at him and I'm like, that's impossible. Yeah. And then He's squeeze like, yeah, it really into, hard. you know, where I'm not getting disconnected because it's yes. a 25 minute homily. Yeah. Yeah, like seven to ten minutes is the key. Mm-hmm. So priest friends of mine, if you give a homily over seven to ten minutes, maybe people reconsider. Uh, you'll know because people start coughing. Yeah. It's not a yawn. The yawn doesn't mean people are disconnected. It just means they're tired. But yeah. coughing, coughing has a psychological association with boredom. That's really good to know. Yeah. So if you're giving public speaking and people start coughing, it means you need to do something just like, you know, just to get their attention and bring them back in, whatever it is, and then move on. One of my favorite homilies I ever heard was about, um, it was this past year or two, um, was about the, the beauty of Christ in the Eucharist. It was a good homily. But what mm-hmm. the best thing was, was this little boy got so excited about it and he ran up to the altar and father stopped everything that he was doing and acknowledged the little boy and spent a minute with the little boy and brought him back to his family. And it was the cutest That's thing in the world. Cool. But it was it, within the homily itself, it was a beautiful sentiment of like, I'm taking a minute to be present to the person in front of me. Right. And the person in front of me is a four-year-old little boy who's <laughs> really excited about Jesus. That's cool. It was adorable. Super cute. We need more priests who can handle young children, too. I think we're getting there. In an effective way. There are... Like, uh, instead of a, take that crying child out of the mass. Yeah. I I don't (laughs) think we have a ton of those priests. I think we have a ton of those people. Yes. But I don't think we have a ton of those priests. All the priests I know, and I know 
a lot of priests, mm-hmm. would all say they would rather have a crying child in mass than have the parents and the child leave the mass to be outside the right. church during the homily or during anything. Now, the people in the pews might think differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a cry room at the parish that I work at. And there has literally been a time that I've seen someone go into the cry room and tell the kids that they need to quiet down in the cry room. They are in the cry room. The door is shut. You just wasted time during mass opening the door, telling the kids to quiet down because they were screaming and crying because they are toddlers and they were hungry or tired or had a poop or something. Mm -hmm. Because that's what they do. Right. Children. I feel like if you have a cry room, it should be relatively soundproof. Like... My church is really old. It's not hard to do sound dampening. Put some foam up like we got in our studio here. We have four pieces of foam in our studio. I don't think it does anything. That's not true at all. Matt thinks you should, it does You something. should see me take them down. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of furniture in here now. Yeah, but it's like hard furniture. Yeah. Any more soft furniture. I wish you guys could see the room. I mean, you will be able to see the room we're in because we're like literally doing stuff with the room. The studio is a huge mess right now. Yeah. I like that we're calling it a studio. That's what I call it. It's a good studio. I'm going to put a recording light outside so that it's (laughs) like... That'd be really cool. We're way off topic. Um, That's okay. So, to go back to Josephite marriages. Oh, wow, yeah. Because it's something that I have a certain amount of interest in. Um, it seems like the idea is like you're married as brother and sister, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not a real marriage because there's plenty of people who participate in justified marriages who don't go through a proper rite of marriage in a Catholic church. Sure. I don't see, I don't understand why one would be considered like, um, an acceptable marriage. So like, for example, if we look at, uh, you know, just two people who choose not to consummate for whatever reason, sure. they're asexual. Um, they, one is, you know, uh, paraplegic and can't sure. for whatever reason. Um, I don't see why we can't just treat that as a marriage full stop. Like I understand that like we have some canon law that was written 2,500 years ago that says this, but like, I don't know. Well, you have to remember the main point of a marriage mm-hmm. is to be open to life and then to help raise those children to become saints. Right. And I don't see how one can't be open to life even if they are impotent or unable. Because Because if you're not having happen. sex. Yeah, but if you're not having sex, which is the premise of a Joseph right. marriage, you can't be open to life. Because isn't our whole religion kind of based on a couple that didn't have sex and had a child? Yes, but that couple that didn't have sex and had a child was also particularly chosen by God to bear the son of man. Yeah, who's to say that that's impossible again? Maybe not the son of man, but some other similar miracle. I'm not going to be the one to say that's impossible. I think that I would get in trouble for saying that. I just don't think it's particularly... Likely. No miracle is particularly likely. Good point. If we're just rolling dice, you know, eventually something's going to happen that's interesting. You know, like, there's how many masses every day? Millions, right? Correct. I think millions is a solid estimate. I was trying I, to no, see, I like, right. should I go down to hundreds of thousands or billions? But I think no, millions, millions is the right answer. Yeah. Um. There's 1.2 billion Catholics. There's millions so. of masses a day. Sure. 
every now and again, something miraculous happens at one of these masses. If it, we want to be literal, something miraculous happens at every Right, mass. right, yeah, but like, like the kind of miracle that makes Catholic news or even general news, like the host is bleeding. Yeah. Or like the, uh, the wine tasted like blood, yeah. or someone got up from their wheelchair. Right. Like this is something that happens on a relatively frequent basis due to the sheer law of large numbers. Sure. Who's to say that if we didn't just recognize the hundred thousand marriages that are Josephite marriages as just regular old marriages, that something miraculous can't happen there? Well, too. I really don't think there are hundreds of thousands of Josephite marriages. I think that there are hundreds of thousands of marriages that aren't consummating regularly. Probably millions. But are they not consummating for the right reasons? I don't know. Exactly. I think in order for it to be considered a... Josephite marriage. Yeah, or a viable marriage. There has to be intentionality behind it. And if that intentionality is getting your spouse to heaven... While maybe maybe they have a problem with sex, maybe it's a it's been a problem for them in a lot mm-hmm. of different ways, um, whether they're addicted to pornography or they're addicted to some weird fetish. That's another topic for another day. Actually, let's not make that. Stay a topic. tuned let's for not, the Salt the Earth let's BDSM not do that podcast. That sounds awful. Um, <laughs> stop. Um, but <coughs> I, I think it's a viable reason that if you're uh, abstaining from sex in a marriage. For a good and holy reason, and at the end of the day, your goal is to get your wife or your husband to, to sainthood, to heaven. Mm-hmm. I, I think that should be considered a marriage. I agree. But I'm just a girl who works for a church. It, like, no, I have no viable standpoint we or anything. We need, like, a really good theologian to just come on and answer ridiculous questions. I know a lot of really good theologians. I don't think they'd want to be on a podcast. I mean, they might. Could they do it anonymously? I don't think they'd want to. I know one in particular really good theologian, and if I ever saw her again, because she retired, unfortunately, uh, I would gladly ask her to be on our podcast. She was one of my favorite professors. Gotcha. The seminary has a lot of really um, impressive people who work there. We need a theologian who specifically studies... Strange quirks in Catholic canon law and Catholic teaching. I know several canon law lawyers. Canon so, lawyers. like, I know some canon lawyers, but, like, I feel like even canon lawyers, a lot of them just know the majority of the obvious answers. Not ask. to say that's a, not an impressive feat or something to be proud of, but, like, I need the guy who's very interested in the quirks of canon law specifically. In the the gray areas okay. of canon law. Or a gal. If there's anybody out there who's listening to our podcast who knows about that, message us. Yeah, let us know. Because we would love to we have you We would love to in. have you on and answer all of our absurdest questions. Yeah. Once we figure out how to get someone to record and... We'll just need another mic. That'll be our motivation no, to get like, another mic. What if mic. they live in, like, California? We'll just discord them in. I, I have asked for another recording. mic for Christmas. Did you? Yeah. I'll there see if I get it. I can get another one of these stands pretty easy and stuff. Okay, cool. But yeah, so I think that's where I'm at right now. I would love to learn a lot more about this topic and do a follow-up episode. Yeah, let's let's say a year from now, Okay. if we're still doing this, which I suspect we will. Yeah, we could have no one listening. It's just... Yeah. We have quite a few listeners right now, so thank you for everyone who's listening. Yeah, thanks. We're at about 200 listeners. Listens, I should say. Just say listeners. listeners. Make it sound bigger. We have 10,000 listeners, man. <laughs> 
Matt, we have 10,000 Tell listeners. your family and friends. No, when we get to 10,000, that'll be really exciting. I'll send everyone a sticker. Don't say that. <laughs> that's, that's expensive. I can't send everyone a sticker. We have a, a budget. We do have a budget. Um, Our budget is very small yeah. right now. Well, uh, thanks for listening to Salt the Earth, episode 10. Like us on Tumblr. No. Like us on Reddit. No. We should start a subreddit. I told you to do that. I don't do Reddit. Uh, I'll do Reddit. I need someone who's decent at CSS to help me out with a subreddit, so message us for that, too. All right. Like us on Twitter and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and look up our t-shirt. It's not Teespring. It's no, it's Bonfire. Bonfire. Yeah. Look up our Bonfire. If you go on to our Instagram or Facebook, you can see our Bonfire t-shirt campaign. We have t-shirts and crewnecks for sale. They're pretty cool. They're pretty And they're cool. cheap. Yeah, and if you want a sticker, presumably you know us in person, so come and find us. Yeah, and we'll give give you a sticker. If you don't know us in person and you are the first five people to DM me, then I'll send you a sticker. There you go. Or a button. F-R-E-E. I still have some stamps from the wedding, so just mail them out. Awesome. Hi, friends. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, this is Salt the Earth asking for a special request of prayers. Yes. A About a week and a half ago, we found out our pastor, Father Tim, has been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, it yes. is metastatic cancer. It's originating um, from his kidney, but it's affecting his jaw as well. And he is just really right now asking for prayers from as many people as he can get them from. Mm-hmm. And he will be praying for all of us and all of you. Um, so if you could keep him in your prayers, he will be going in for surgery soon to hopefully remove his kidney and remove the cancer from his kidney. And then he will having be having reconstructive jaw surgery to get rid of the cancer in his jaw and then put his jaw back together. Yep. Um, so if we can keep him in your, our prayers and we will be praying for him and you guys will pray for him and pray for us. Um, I think that will be something that will help him a lot as we know the power yes. of prayer is a powerful thing. So. Yeah. Father Tim is one of the best people that I've ever met. And yes. uh, he needs to be around for a while because he needs to baptize my kids. And marry me. So uh, keep him in your prayers. Uh, we love him. He is uh, everything that is good about the Catholic Church yes. is embodied in Father Tim. He's a good and holy priest who loves his parish and loves Jesus and loves his church. So we just want to help love him through the power of prayer and through Jesus Christ and as he said, he has great hope and during this season of hope that everything will turn out the way it is supposed to. Yep. So thank so, you guys for the prayers. Yes. And if you need any prayers from us, please reach out to us and we'll be glad to pray for you. Yes. Awesome.